listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Well, apparently there's disagreement of, about whether or not it's the end of the decade or not. Some people don't like the fact that the decade ends on 9, and some people think the decade should end on 2020. But for the most part, people agree that this is the end of the decade, and it reminds me of where I was 20 years ago when it was the end of the millennium, 1999, 20 years ago. I was listening to Limp Biscuit and Corn because it was the end of the 90s, you know, new metal was in. <laughs> and... Um, and Y2K was a big concern. Some of you don't know what that was, but <laughs> I remember when Y2K was a big issue, and apparently the computers were going to freak out and the whole world was going to shut down, and we were basically going to not have electricity and not have any, any sort of uh, electric capability. Bank accounts were going to be lost. Your money was going to be lost because uh, computers weren't ready to go to 2000. Um, and it seems like we love celebrating not just end of centuries, but end of millenniums, end of decades. And the reason for that is we like to close chapters. We really do. And you even see it online in social media. People post memes about how, you know, uh, 2017 was bad, 2018 was worse, and then 2019 was awful, and then 2020 is get ready, you're about to be pulverized, you know, and pe people have this negative outlook, but they want to close a chapter, they want to move on to new things, it's only natural, in fact, this whole New Year's thing has been celebrated uh, for, wow, almost 4,000 years ago, uh, from what I've been able to read, historians agree that the ancient Babylon—excuse me—the ancient Babylonians were the ones that were said to have been the first people to make New Year New Year's resolutions. They were the first ones, and this was around 4,000 years ago. They were also the first to hold recorded celebrations in honor of the New Year, uh, though for them the year began not in January but in mid-March when the crops were planted. So it was uh, mid-March. It's kind of trivial when we start the new year, when you think about it. <laughs> uh, a similar practice occurred in ancient Rome after the reform-minded emperor Julius Caesar. Basically, he decided to alter the calendar and established January 1st as the beginning of the new year. This happened about 46 BC. And ever since then, January 1st has been the beginning of the year. For early Christians, the first day of the new year became the traditional uh, time or occasion for thinking about one's past mistakes and resolving to do and be better in the future. Uh, I've always been kind of, and I say this to a fault myself, this is a fault in me, I've always been cynical about resolutions because um, I feel like resolutions should be daily. But uh, in all honesty, I feel like God has really been uh, actually encouraging in me to set forth some resolutions for this next year. And, uh, and I've been praying about it, what things that does God desire for myself and for, uh, I think, for, for ourselves as a local church, the mission. And so what I want to go over is simply uh, about six resolutions uh, that have been in the back of my mind that we can embrace as Christians. And, and here's why it matters, because we, we do set resolutions, but they're often not necessarily God-minded resolutions. We think about, oh, I, this year I'm going to lose 
10 pounds or 20 pounds, or this year I'm going to finish a book, or this year I'm going to uh, read the, uh, you know, uh, the, the news more often, or this year I'm going to do, we pick up all these different practices, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop eating uh, carbs this year. All these different practices, but we don't focus sometimes on the most important resolutions that we can have, resolutions towards God. And so in that spirit, in that sense, I want us to think about these resolutions. Maybe you have resolutions of your own already in terms of, uh, of, of your walk with the Lord. I'm just going to encourage that you consider these because um, I think they are biblical. The first resolution and probably the most important, if you forget the rest of the message today, stick to this one. This is the most central one. The first resolution is that this year, this coming year, and this coming decade, right, we would be a people that seeks his presence. So that should be our first resolution. And it should be the foundation of any other resolution, any other habit or discipline that we have in our discipleship process, in our growth, any other resolution, I think, biblically speaking, should be at its very foundation about seeking God's presence. This was what Moses wanted. Show me your face. Show me your glory. That's what Moses wanted. When we think about how we're transformed, we'll talk about it later, but we're transformed by looking at the, at the glory of Jesus and being transformed. So we want to seek his presence, that we would be a people that everything you do throughout your day, your work, your prayer time, your biblical time, would not be about checking off items from your list, but that you would be consumed with interacting with God. That the God that formed you in his hands, that created the universe, the God that installed gravity in our universe and all the laws of nature, that that God that intricately made you in your mother's womb would be present with you. Now this sounds odd, but it's biblical. Now here's why it sounds odd. We've talked a little bit about this before. When people first hear, seek God's presence, you, the, the first reaction people might have is, what do you mean? Don't you believe God is omnipresent? God is here. He's out there. He's over there. He's everywhere. So what do you mean seek his presence? Well, the Bible talks about it specifically about drawing near to God. What we want to do is seek his manifest presence as he speaks, loves, blesses, and encourages us in our life. That's what we're talking about. Sure, he's omnipresent, but seeking his presence is about experiencing God. And so my hope is that our first resolution would be to be consumed with interacting daily with God, that he would be with us in everything that we do, that we would seek to hear from him, that we would seek to put our troubles, our cares, our anxieties on him and feel the comfort that he provides. That's the type of people that I pray we would be. Psalm 105, verse 4, reminds us of this resolution. Psalm 105, verse 4 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek his presence continually. Again, the Bible isn't contradicting itself. itself. Yes, God is omnipresent, but this is about seeking his manifest presence in your life. That you would be... Uh, joyful that you would be restored, that you would be sustained, that you would be comforted by his loving, blessing presence, his glorious and beautiful presence. Now, the question often becomes, how do I do that? 
I hear that people talk about God speaking to them and God guiding them. How does this happen? Isn't that just people imagining God speaking to them? And the reality is that we can tangibly experience the presence of God. We can seek it. Within this first resolution, I'm going to give you three biblical ways that you can seek his presence daily, continually. The first one is you can pray into his presence. You can pray into God's presence. I love this because when Jesus is talking about the, the Lord's Prayer, right after he talks about the Lord's Prayer, depending on where, which version you're reading, if you're reading in Luke, he's talking to the disciples after the Lord's Prayer about asking anything from the Father and you will receive it. No, he's not talking about receiving a Ferrari if you ask for a Ferrari or about receiving millions of dollars if you ask for that. He's talking about something better. Ask everything, as in ask anything of God's presence. And that's why he says in Luke 11, verse 13, he says the following. If you, that's him speaking to us, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You want God's presence, ask for it. But you got to really want it, right? It's not like, yeah, God, uh, you know, give, give me your presence daily. No, you got to really want that presence. You got to really yearn for it and pray over it. And the Father who is so good will give you that which is better than anything material or superficial that you can think to ask of. He will bless you with his presence. Seek his presence continually through prayer as Jesus encourages us in Luke eleven thirteen, So you can pray into God's presence. But you can also, more importantly, sometimes we really forget this one. And, and I've, I've experienced it in my life. You can turn into God's presence. Because oftentimes our pattern of life, the things that we are doing, the sins that we are doing, often can tune out the presence of God. And so consistently in the Bible, we see a pattern of, look, if you want to draw near to God, it is synonymous with laying down your way. Seeking the presence of God is synonymous with turning away from your way and turning towards God. James 4 verses 7 through 8 remind us of this. James 4, verses 7 through 8 say, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Listen to what it says right after, though. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, but sandwiched between... Or, draw near to God, he will draw near to you, is sandwiched between two important things. Turn away from sin. Turn away from your way. And, and you know what? The, the church, I think, sometimes misses a lot on God's presence because we are so saturated by the narrative of do your way. Find, find happiness the way you feel you should be happy. Or find happiness the way you define happiness. It's the postmodern um, uh, narrative. And, and here's the idea. Jesus says, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one to the Father. And Jesus, or God, excuse me, when he says draw near to God, he's reminding us, look, the only way you can draw near to God is by dropping the other stuff. You can't have God on your terms. He doesn't ask you to be perfect. He just wants you to follow him at all costs because he died for you and gave it all the total cost. So he gives his life for us, so we surrender our life for him. That's how, that's how faith works. So turn into his presence. This requires that daily you examine yourself and think about what areas you've maybe been ignoring in your walk with God. And that's between you and God. And we all have those areas, and it, it never ends till the day we see Jesus face to face. So turn into his presence. The third way you can, you can seek his presence is you can hear his presence. You can hear his presence. There's something, listen, there's something supernatural about reading the Bible. There is something supernatural. It's not that you read an incantation and go, when God am Leviosa. You don't do that, right? You don't, you don't do a spell. It's not that you're reading a chant or something that activates the power of God. But rather, here's what's crazy about the Bible. The Bible reads you. Oh, my word. It reads. It's spiritually. It's a spiritual x-ray that when it reads into you, it speaks into you, and it reaches into the deep, into the areas that you might be even not wanting to confront. For the word of God, in Hebrews chapter 4, says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It can see through your intentions, no matter how much you even lie to yourself. The word of God cuts through. It's so good. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all, all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The Bible reads you. <laughs> God speaks to you. It's living and active, speaking into the areas, a spiritual x-ray that's showing you this is the way. I'm not quoting the Mandalorian. This is the way. <laughs> so hear his presence. As we take that first resolution to heart of seeking his presence continually, be reminded you can pray into his presence, you can turn into his presence, and you can hear his presence supernaturally by letting the Bible read your life. See, when I do those three things, that means I'm really seeking God with all my heart. It's a promise. To the Hebrews, in captivity, it was a promise in Jeremiah 29, 13. But all his promises are yes and amen. All the promises to the Israelites are now applied to us in a greater and truer sense of freedom. In Jeremiah 29, 13, we're told by God, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This has to be our main resolution, that we would seek his presence every day. When we seek him with all, his, with all our hearts, reading into him, turning into him, listening to him. Like, it, when we do all those things, when we pray into his presence, we're seeking him with all his heart and he will be found. We will, we, he will be found by us by promise. All his promises are yes and amen. In Christ Jesus. So seek his presence continually. That's the main resolution. But there's other resolutions 
Seek to love radically this year and this decade. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 has been abused by weddings. <laughs> it's the passage we hear at weddings, and it's a great passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But it's not really in context about weddings. It's way more general than romantic love. 1 Corinthians 13 gets forgotten because it's the marriage chapter. But it's not about marriage. It's way more general. That we, look, that, uh, here's what I'm praying for myself. That as a husband, I would be patient and kind. That I would not envy or boast or be arrogant. That I would not be rude. That I would not insist on my own way. And boy, do I insist on my own way. That I would not be irritable, irritable or resentful. That I would not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoice with truth. That I would bear all things through love, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. That's the type of love that we should have. If you're a parent, that you would exhibit that love to your children. That they would see God in the way you love radically. That if, you're, if you are, if you are a, a son or a daughter, that you would love your parents in this way. It's really hard. I, I, I always insisted on my own way when talking to my parents to this day. <laughs> but that we would love radically. Resolution number three, that we would rediscover fasting. Boy, has the church forgotten about fasting. <laughs> I include myself. Rediscover the power of fasting. Fasting is good. Fasting is so good, it will bring you into the presence you are seeking continually. In Acts 13, look at how they interacted with the presence of God through prayer and fasting. In Acts chapter 13, verses 2 to 3, it says that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They discerned the will of God regarding an important decision in the church by fasting and praying. See, fasting narrows, it, 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 it takes our senses and it sharpens them, our, our spiritual senses and our, our, our spiritual affections towards God. They get sharpened when we fast. So, and, and here's the thing, some of us have medical conditions and maybe you can't fast food. <laughs> not, pun not intended. Maybe you can't fast actual food, but you can fast other things to come into his presence. It's about sharpening our affections and our attention and our thoughts onto God and making our prayer that much more focused. Rediscover fasting. The church needs it. I need it. I really need to fast. Resolution number four, seek his increase. This decade, this year, seek God's increase. John chapter 3, verse 30 we hear the greatest of all, according to Jesus, the, the, no greater man, John the Baptist saying, he must increase, but I must decrease. He recognizes that his followers are now leaving John, and they're going towards Jesus. And Jesus doesn't make it about himself. He says, I must decrease, that God's glory would increase. 
Two chapters later, in the same gospel, in verse 44 of chapter 5, Jesus tells us, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So much of our anxiety, of our afflictions, is not all of it, but a lot of it stems from us seeking to be recognized, admired, loved, cherished, and valued by people. And it's an unnecessary burden. We are seeking the glory from one another, whether it's through social media or whether it's through rank or through a position at work or through whatever it is. We seek to be admired, respected, liked, cherished, and loved by people, to be praised. And John said, no, I must decrease he must increase. But the good news is that it's not like we're just forgetting ourselves. There is a glory that we can seek that comes only from God, and it is all satisfying. It gives you value, purpose, meaning, but it comes from God, not from people. See, the, the, the problem isn't that we seek meaning, love, and to be valued. That's not the problem. The problem is that we seek it in people, and that's idolatry. We don't seek it in God. Here's God, infinite value, worth, love, and satisfaction, and we choose to go to the lesser. Seek those values, those, those loving, uh, the, the praise that you seek, seek it from God. He created you with a purpose. He made you in his image. And you are his workmanship, or some translations say you are his craft. So decrease and focus on God increasing and receive the value that you get in his glory, not in the value that you get from the glory of others. Resolution number five, take faith-filled risks. If you didn't listen to Pastor Jason's sermon last week, you have to. Take faith-filled risks. I'm not going to go into it because Pastor Jason preached on this last week. But long story short, he talked about how Joseph and Mary took a huge risk. And they stepped into potential social um, abandonment or social outcasts, becoming social outcasts because of a pregnancy that was before a marriage. When in reality, it was because of the Holy Spirit. They took risks. They took risks that were faith-filled. May we be a people that takes risk for the kingdom. Not for personal gain, but for the expanse of the kingdom. That it would expand and reach all the dark corners of the world. Resolution number six. This is the last one. Resolution number six. Devote yourself to fellowship. Devote yourself to fellowship. Now, fellowship fancy church word, but if we want to, you know, kind of bring it down to an understanding term, we're basically saying devote yourself to your church family right here. This is it. This is your church family. Devote yourself, not just, hey, hi, but devote yourself. Invest into yourselves, into the family of God. Devote yourself to fellowship. That's what the apostles did. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
devote yourself to fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24 and verse 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Long story short, what we're saying is, look, make a priority of connecting with your church family. Make coming to the worship service a priority. I got to be careful here because this could be misinterpreted. Listen to this, please. If you tuned out, I want you to tune back in because I don't want you to hear me legalistically. Making attendance to church priority is not about attending once a month, twice a month, three times a month, or four times a month. That's not, that's not what, what priority looks like. It's not a numeric value. Get that? I'm not talking about measure to see how many times you come a month. That's not what it is. It's simply about making attendance priority. It means that we seek to prioritize it because we know we need it. It doesn't mean we don't meet, miss weekend services. In fact, here's the thing. Check this out. There can be great reasons to miss a worship service. Special events, vacation time, work. Some of us work during weekends. Health-related reasons. There are many good reasons to miss a worship service. Typically, these good reasons are either things that are not routine or things we can't avoid. And those are good reasons to miss church. Things that are not routine, special occasions, graduations, weddings, whatever. Or work. Such things don't remove priority from attending the fellowship of worship services. But what is priority of attending the worship service? It's when none of these special occasions or workdays happen... Worship gatherings should be the default priority. That doesn't have a numerical value. For me, that, that might mean that in December I went to Puerto Rico for two weeks and I missed two weeks. That might mean for someone else, they were working it's a whole month not here. It's not a numerical value. That's legalism. We're not trying to, to say get X amount of times in here. We're trying to say make it a default priority for when the special occasions aren't there you're here. Make it a default priority because we need each other. We are better together. And we experience God in ways we can't experience when we are here. Now, in closing, as the band comes up, the band, it's like a trio. <laughs> as, my, as the two other musicians, aside from myself, come back up. <laughs> Let me recap these resolutions. Number one, the most important one, seek his presence. Don't just read the Bible to get it out of the way. Read the Bible to hear his presence. Don't just pray, you know, like I used to pray when I was a kid. Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos santificados sea tu nombre. Don't do that. Pray to, into his presence. Make it about feeling the love of God and the presence, the manifest presence of God. Turn to God. Turn into him by realizing the things you have to leave behind because he left his life at the cross for you. So seek his presence. That was the first resolution. The second resolution, love radically. 
that we would take 1 Corinthians 13 to heart, whether you're a parent, a, a brother, a sister, a co-worker, a neighbor, that people would see crazy, radical love, that they would see Jesus in the way you love others. Rediscover fasting. May, may we enhance our prayers with fasting to sharpen our affections after God and sharpen our attention to him. Seek his increase and not my increase. Seek his glory, not my glory. Take faith-filled risks and devote yourself to the church family, to fellowship. Make it a priority. See, the truth is, the first one is the heart of all the other ones. The only way I can achieve making church priority, the only way I can achieve making his glory more important than mine, the only way I can achieve, uh, you know, wanting to fast, the only way I can achieve loving radically others, the only way I can do all this is in his presence. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us this is the key. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, that's in his presence, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The only way you become more Jesus-like is by being in his presence. That's why I said if you tuned out the rest, that's fine. That first resolution, seek his presence daily in everything you do, in every thought, in every prayer, in every reading of the Bible. Whatever it is you're doing, long or small, May it be focused in experiencing Him. He is the source of meaning. He is the source of glory. He is the source of truth. He is the way. He is the life. In Him there is life. There is no darkness in Him. May we seek that. As the ushers get ready to collect the tithes and offering, let's pray. Father, we... We come humbly before you saying, these are resolutions. And, and to say resolution already scares me because as people, we always drop our resolutions. <laughs> we fail at our resolutions. That's why we have to make them new every year. But Father, we ask that you would be the source, that you would complete the good work that you started in us. That we would seek your presence daily, and by seeking your presence, we would be transformed. That we would be transformed into loving, radical, into loving radically. That we would be transformed to, to seek your presence by fasting and praying. That we would seek your glory. That we would take risk for the kingdom. That we would devote ourselves to church family. That it would be a priority. All of this, Father, we just want to see your face. Show us your glory. Show us your presence. Show us your loving hand, especially in the midst of the trial. 2019 was rough. Whew. It was rough, Father. But we come to you asking that you just show us that you're there through the valley of the shadow of death, saying that you are with us and that we would be comforted for you are with us. May we feel your presence. May we seek your presence daily. As the ushers have now prepared, Father, we present to you our tithes and offerings. See, our income, our money, it's, it's not ours. You provide it to us. We're just stewards. 
And we use our giving as an exercise of worship to say, we trust in you. And we want to partner with you in the expanding of the kingdom. We want others to know you. We want to empower this church to love others, to preach the gospel. So multiply our tithes and offerings. May this be an opportunity for worship, nothing more. Not giving out of guilt, not giving because we need to, but as Paul tells us, giving generously because we want to. That we would give because we want to, Father. Because we believe in your mission and because we trust in your provision. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.